Are you tired of hiding your smile? Maybe it's time to get some help from G4 by Goldpaw. Their talented technicians specialize in creating brand new permanent teeth in just 24 hours. With as few as four titanium implants, you can enjoy a fully customized bridge for your upper and or lower set of teeth. You can have peace of mind knowing that the G4's experienced lab technicians have designed more than 15,000 new smiles. You can have a new smile that looks, feels, and functions just like natural teeth. Patients from all over the world travel to G4 to get their permanent smiles in just 24 hours and change their lives forever. Booking an appointment has never been easier. Simply visit yourteeth.com today and schedule your appointment with G4 by Golpa. Mention this podcast when you book to save $1,000. So what are you waiting for? Get ready to show off your new, confident smile with G4 by Golpa. Visit yourteeth.com today and start your journey to a new, permanent smile in just 24 hours. G4 by Golpa. Powered by technology. Inspired by patience. If we thought the super kick at Night of Champions was heard around the world, we must be in another stratosphere. After what happened this past Friday on SmackDown, the Usos standing tall on their own in a civil war in the bloodline. Also, AEW and New Japan present Forbidden Door this weekend. We're going to cover all the matches give you our predictions, and so much more on this edition of the Bye Bomb Wrestling Podcast. The bomb drops now. What's up, all of you friendly, nice, and amazing? Oh, hi, everyone. We love you so much. Yes, this is the best. It's TSF. Was is it real? Hunter Knot. Oh, my God. And you're listening to the Pipe Bomb Wrestling Podcast, baby. Thank you, TSF. Hello and welcome to this edition of the Pipe Bomb Wrestling Podcast, episode 27 of season four. So glad that you have joined us. My name is Chris Belcher. With me, as always, is the young buck, Mr. Andy York. Andy, here we are virtually again, recording a day early this time, but getting the content out no matter what, man. Yeah, it's pay-per-view week. It's We got to get it ready. We got to get it rolling. But, uh, you know... It's a lot of fun. We have there's I'll say this wrestling is in a really, really good spot right now, more so than I think it's been in a long time. I think I think a lot of I think AEW is finally starting to catch their groove again. I think yep. WWE is finding their groove footing again, and I think things are are really starting to kick off. Well, it's like there's always this dead period after WrestleMania and before SummerSlam that you always feel weird about. And then you have the dead period between Survivor Series and Royal Rumble and whatever. Normally, the hottest time is like SummerSlam to Survivor Series is when we feel like that it heats up the most. But now, like, we're rolling right now, obviously, due to the greatest storyline in wrestling history. And like you said, AEW is catching their footing and and getting some things. We'll talk about all of that uh, on this show. Before we go any further, make sure that you're following us on social media at PBW Podcast. Andy's individual Twitter handle is down there. So is mine. Go check that out. We're available on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. So follow us. The show is available wherever you get your podcast. Subscribe on uh, whatever platform you want and on the YouTube channel. Like that video. It really helps us. That like button looks like a thumbs up. Hit it, please. We'd appreciate it. All right. Let's hit it, Andy. Old school 101. And man, I can't believe. I absolutely can't. Before we get into this week's old school 101, we talked about four debuts last week. And we sort of went down a rabbit hole with DDP and, you know, whatever. 
there was a fifth <laughs> debut that I am so ashamed that we missed. I can't believe it. Like, I would almost cancel the podcast because we forgot it. I don't even know who it is now. Very June curious. the 18th, 1988, 35 years ago last week, a little guy named Shawn Michaels made his WWE oh. debut. Andy, I can't believe we forgot the Heartbreak Kid. Well, that's that's more you than me. I mean, you're Shut the, the Shawn Michaels expert. So I know. It's... Stop it. <laughs> Listen, I wasn't even close to being thought of at that point. That's so that's the point. <laughs> that's all on you. That's a good point. A, I, yeah. I listen. It's crazy that how many years ago you say thirty thirty five. It was the it was <laughs> six months and seven days before I was born. Thirty five years ago. That's. It's crazy that it was that long ago. Yep. But also, like he wrestled, like a decade ago. <laughs> so, like it, it's <laughs> it's it's really crazy that, that well, he it's actually been that long. But also, it hasn't been that long at the same time. He also he actually wrestled five years ago, but we choose to forget that. So we don't talk about that. One. We don't talk about that at all. Um, no, that was a bad one. But man, debut of the Heartbreak Kid, Shawn Michaels, the greatest to ever lace up a pair of wrestling boots, and I'll argue that till the day I die. Don't care who I'm arguing with. Uh, he's the greatest of all time. But you're we need to have that argument one day, by the way. Oh Lord, listen. No, oh. no, no. I think not. Not like a not like a heated argument. I think that's. I think that would be a fascinating like bonus episode. It's okay. just who do we think the greatest of all time is? Well, there's a fun little game that we're going to. Okay, there's a fun little game that we're going to play, I think, next week. If we have time on the show next week, we'll see. We're recapping a pay-per-view and previewing, so I'm not going to get to it next week. Um, But we'll go ahead and put a bug in everybody's ear that's listening. If this is your first time, hopefully this is intriguing to you. This is news to Andy as well. Um, Either next week or the week after, depending on if we have time, we're going to play a little game of build your own WWE superstar, and you're going to combine different things that it takes to be a superstar all wrapped up into one. So that's going to be a fun game that we're going to play. Might not get to it next week, but it is coming in the next couple weeks. So uh, that's going to be a lot of fun. But that goes right into your your point there about the greatest in-ring of all time, and it's Shawn Michaels. And everybody's entitled to their opinion. That's fine, but mine's the correct one. So, (laughs) Well, I think there's there's an argument for a couple other people, but I will say this. He's absolutely in the question of one of the greatest entering performers of all time, if not the greatest. That's exactly right. For sure. All right. It's, it's hard. It's hard. It's honestly like Michael Jordan, LeBron. Well, with rest with in ring. Plus it's all about style too. Uh, well, yeah, I guess that's true. Yeah. I'm not even going to go Michael Jordan, LeBron James. You really going to get me aggravated tonight. Really? Come on. <laughs> Let's not do that. That's not a fun topic for me to talk about. What is a fun topic for me to talk about is something that I remember vividly watching live when it happened. June the 23rd, 2003 is our old school 101 topic this week. And Andy, that is the night that Kane was forced to unmask after losing the World Heavyweight Championship match to Triple H, he was not the champion, but the stipulation was title for mask, and Kane had to unmask, and I remember watching it live. It was a wild time, man. It really was. 
Yeah, so obviously I have gone back and watched this with, you know, perspective of seeing what happened after <laughs> after yep. the mask got taken off and everything. And uh, it's definitely like one of the most iconic memory, like moments in WWE history is Kane taking the mask off. It was, it, I remember, I, I know a lot of people, hearing from a lot of people saying like they remember not knowing what to expect when Kane ripped the mask off. That was one of them. And uh, I think that's really like, uh, that's one of the most fascinating things is like, especially with a character like Kane, because it's completely different than like a Rey Mysterio or a luchador with their mask. But like someone like Kane, who at the time never seen his face that we knew of, Um, obviously you'd seen him before as fake diesel, but that we don't, we don't really talk about him or Isaac. Um, But you, yeah, but you, uh, you don't know what he looks like. And I think that was part of the biggest intrigue about Kane from his debut to that point was who is this guy? Like, what does right. this guy actually look like? Mm-hmm. And I think that was such a fascinating way for that character. But then it was also time for him to adapt at the same time. And it was just, it's a wild, wild moment to go back and look at it. You look at Kane's career, man, and you look at, so he debuted at the end of nine, uh, October of 97 and he unmasks in June of, 2003 so almost six full years of being behind a mask Mm -hmm. and you think of all the demonic things that he portrayed in those five and a half years and all the things that he did and being with paul bear and being set on fire and setting people on fire and and all the things i feel like though after he unmasked he got more demonic and he did more crazy things after that, like it was just wild to see this character and like you said, this next evolution of the Kane character. Honestly, man, like the Ruthless Aggression era Kane with the mask on was my favorite version of Kane. Then he took the mask off and like I said, he was just as fascinating, I thought. Yeah, so I you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe right after like right around this time or right after he had taken the mask off is when he had that match with Shane. Yes. Where he electrocuted a certain part of Shane's body, which is fairly wild. I am fairly certain my timeline may be wrong here, but I'm fairly certain. So he unmasks in June of 03. I think survivor series. 03 is in the middle of that feud with Shane. Cause I think survivor series was the ambulance match. I don't remember. Uh, where the electrocution happened in the timeline, but I'm pretty sure that feud happened right after this. So I think you're absolutely right. Yeah. Uh, you want to know a really interesting fact, and this one, this will make a lot of people groan when I say this. Oh, so no. get ready for this. Oh no. You know, the first time I saw Kane with a mask, you know when it was? Oh my gosh. Uh, with Daniel Bryan. Nope. Oh no. Before that, when he came back and started feuding with Cena, and the whole embrace the hate storyline, which was horrible. Okay. And he like murdered Zack Ryder on, on TV. Yeah, pushed like him off the stage. Twelve. Yep. Ish. I think it was that that time period. That was the first time I, I obviously I had like gone back and seen stuff with Kane. Right. But like that's like my era of Kane in a mask was 2012 until you know until up to recently. Sure, bro. So that was I was I, I my my cane was the one that was uh, feuding with Edge, 
over the World Heavyweight Championship, and he uh, edge kidnapped Paul Bear for that time, and Nine, yeah, it, yes. that was like my introduction to Kane was all that. Well, as I said earlier, my obviously my introduction to Kane was his debut in '97. Um, Which but one of the best, if not the best, debuts of all time. The best debut of all time. <laughs> um, but so that was my introduction to Kane. But my favorite version of Kane is Ruthless Aggression. I, in fact, am holding right now for you people that are watching the action figure of Kane that depicts the night he was unmasked. Because in fact. I can do a little swaparoo here. And there he is. Wow. Take the mask and the hair off. So this figure depicts the night that he lost his mask. So, fun fact. Very cool. All right. Old school 101, Kane losing the mask. A lot of fun. We try to hit those each and every week. If you're an old school fan, make sure you stick around for that. Uh, we have a lot of fun discussing old school topics here. We also have a lot of fun with some old school stuff over on WrestleBuddy. So go check that out. Um, I like to bring the old school flavor with my articles. My buddy Tyler Peters um, and those guys over there like to bring the old school flavor as well. They just started a new podcast this week. Um, and, uh, it's called, let me talk to Yeah, And LA night is on the thumbnail for that. They debuted the first episode this week. So go back and check that out. It's on the rest of YouTube channel. Uh, I know they would appreciate that as well. Speaking of partners, I would be remiss if I didn't mention Tom and the crew over at sports wire radio, please keep it tuned into sportnarium.com forward slash player for all of your sports needs. He does a fantastic job promoting us and playing our show all the time. So if you're listening to us on sports wire radio, thank you for doing that. Uh, make sure you check out our YouTube channel for our smiling faces and hit that like button. All right. Before we get to AEW Forbidden Door, we got to hit some WWE stuff, man. Too much stuff happened in the world of WWE this week for us to not talk about it. And Andy, I'd be an idiot if I didn't start with the super kick heard around the galaxy, the universe, the whole daggum Milky Way. Holy cow, Jey Uso finally hits Roman Reigns with a super kick. The bloodline as we know it is no more. It's crazy that we're here. Yeah. I feel like I feel like we never thought we would actually get here right. <laughs> for the longest time. You're right. You're very right. But the fact but the fact that we're here is uh absolutely mind-boggling the segment was just like everything else the bloodline have done this year the segment was just perfect yep uh jay uso give the man his flowers because he can sell the emotion and everything else jimmy sold it perfectly as well and uh yeah i i cannot believe it actually happened like i i am shocked <laughs> that this actually happened on yep. smackdown and uh I on it like I don't even know what to say. Like I'm kind of at a loss for words that it even happened because I think we all thought it was going to happen at some point. I just didn't expect it. It felt like a pay per view moment. Like it felt like yep. it was going to be at the end of Money in the Bank. Maybe if Jimmy and Roman had a match, Jay comes out at the end. Yep. And then we go like we do that or whatever. But my oh my, what a moment! And uh, it, it goes right up there with some of the other moments that we talked about the Bloodline. 
It was in Lexington, Kentucky, or random smack down. My buddy Jason, I was talking about all the time on the show. He was there in person, and he texted me like ten minutes after the show ended. He said, "Dude, my ears are still ringing from the pop <laughs> that happened when that super kick went down." Man, I just I'm like you. I thought we would save it for a Roman versus Jimmy thing, and you know whatever. But man, it happened, and oh my gosh, like. We talked about last week how the Usos were so over and like, mm-hmm. dude, they're just on another level right now. But what's so interesting, man, is in that promo when Jay is talking about all of this that we have is because of Roman. Now, I will say that credit the Usos for their hard work and, you know, their fight to get on the WrestleMania card and, and all of those things are 100% true. But what Jey Uso said was right, man. Like, Roman Reigns, them being aligned with Roman Reigns, and all of this has just taken their popularity to new heights. It really has. Yeah, and, you know, I think... I think part of it is, like you said, because of like the Usos, the Usos put, have the Usos have put in the work mm-hmm. for a long time, but also like the recognition that Roman got. But I got to tell you, you also got to give a shout out and props to Sami Zayn for them being as popular as Absolutely. they are too. Absolutely. Uh, and I, I will go to my grave saying that this is not the best story in pro wrestling history if Sami Zayn does not get involved. A hundred percent. If Sami Zayn is not involved, then this story is really good and it's interesting, but not nearly to the level that it's still at because of the impact that Sammy had on it. So every, every step that they have taken since probably right before survivor series, right before war games up until this point, other than the finished result of WrestleMania 39, cause I will go to my grave saying that as well. This has been, <laughs> the perfect step every single way. Yep. And I, I, you, it's absolutely amazing to see how it has completely unfolded. And sometimes we would criticize it after it happened, but then realizing it happened for a reason, it all makes sense now. There's callbacks yeah. to it. Man, could you imagine, you just mentioned, like if Sammy's not a part of this, it's not nearly as entertaining. They unearthed so many layers to this story yeah. that just did not exist, but naturally just came out and made the story yeah. even better. How long do you think this would have gone had we not had Sammy inserted after WrestleMania 38? Like, how long do you think they could have sustained this without that? I, honestly, I think they could have sustained it until they decided to have Roman lose. Like, I think, I think we could have built to this slowly over the course of this year. But I think because of the popularity that Sammy had and then the popularity that Sammy and Jay both had together, um, I think that has not necessarily forced WWE's hand, but has kind of sped things up and mm-hmm. got us got us again to this point. Um, but I'm so, like, it's, amaz- it's awesome that we're here and I love it. My only critique of this entire story, my only critique is if we go back, and I know I've harped on it, but if we go back to WrestleMania 39, just like a week or two before, and we go back to that Cody Rhodes promo, mm-hmm. where he said a, Roman a tribe with no- without a, a Roman without no more reigns, and a chief with no tribe. Yep. 
if Roman would have lost at 39 and all of this happened, it's it's perfect, po- uh, perfect prophecy and poetic justice and all of this other stuff that's happened. That's my only critique on this whole thing. I think it's still great. I'm all for it. I'm not even like I'm. It's it's I'm. I don't want to say it's a minor critique because I think it's a big misstep. But I do think that it would have added ten times more to the story. But the story we're getting now is so 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 good that it's starting to justify itself a little. See, I'm honestly the opposite. And that's not me just trying to play devil's advocate, or that's not me just trying to back up and say, well, I was fine with Roman winning and Cody losing. Look, I'm wearing a Cody Rhodes WrestleMania (laughs) t-shirt. This is who I was for in the match, okay? So just so everybody that's watching understands, I wanted Cody to win the match. I understand why Roman won. I understand now even more because, yes, you're exactly right saying Roman without a reign, a a chief without a tribe. Okay, but now we're to the point where, like, all of his family, and we'll get to the solo portion in just a minute, all of his family are now turning their backs on him. And all he has is the title. So now we're telling the story of, does he choose the title? And continue what he has built for himself? Or does he choose his family and what he's been preaching about his bloodline and all of that? Like, now you can see Roman battle with that. Like, which is more important? I get your point, though, of, like, everything crumbling. But to me, it's almost more interesting for him to have to choose. Not saying he's going to give up the title, but now he's forced into choosing. You know what I mean? Yeah, my my only argument to that is I think Roman has already chosen a long time ago. I got you. Yeah, makes sense. And I think because of that, him losing the titles, which was the thing that was probably more important to him than the bloodline, and now him losing the bloodline makes Roman more interesting because if he had no titles right now and he's sitting there and all this happened, we would be thinking, where does Roman go from here? Right. Like, what's next for Roman Reigns? And I think that's more intriguing post Money in the Bank because the match has already been confirmed for Money in the Bank that we're right. getting yep. the we're getting Usos it. versus Roman and Solo. Yep. Post that, could you imagine Roman without any titles, Money in the Bank, back in London, a full circle from Clash where Solo made his debut mm-hmm. and Solo turns on Roman, joins the Usos, reforms that bloodline, and now Roman is completely by himself on an island. Mm. That is more interesting to me than, than Roman keeping the titles, having to choose between the two. Because like I said, I feel like he has already made it very, very clear the titles are more important to him than anything else. Right. So speaking of Solo, you just segued to my next question. I, I think I didn't say that right. You segued, sorry, <laughs> to my next question. We have the match. It's official. The Civil War is going down. Roman and Solo taking on the Usos at Money in the Bank. Most likely going to main event Money in the Bank. I'd be willing to to put some money on that right now. Uh, that that's going to main event. Yeah. Does Solo actually turn on Roman at Money in the Bank, and then do we get Roman versus Solo at SummerSlam? <sighs> I don't think I don't think Rome I don't think solo turns. Okay. 
I think we need to get more tension between Roman and Solo. I think Roman and Solo, they might lose this tag match. Solo might eat the pin again. Okay. And then Roman can now say, well, you lost us unified tag titles. And you lost us. And you lost to your brothers. Mm-hmm. And we can kind of build to this, you know, we talked about the shock factor of Roman losing. Let's say he loses at SummerSlam because of solo interfering or whatever. Yeah. Then we can kind of build to that later on. I think Roman and Jay needs to have a lot of build to it. Mm-hmm. Not a lot of build because we're building to it basically. But I also think we need some time for Roman and Solo to build as well. Yes, I agree with that. I feel like I feel like Roman and Jay is the one that needs to happen before Roman, more so than Roman and Solo. I agree at with this that. point. I think there's a possibility, and I, yeah. I I love that idea that you just threw out. I think there's a possibility this other ending could be that Roman and Solo do beat the Usos, and then Roman gets a chair and is beating down Jimmy and Jay after the match, hands the chair to Solo, and Solo can't do it, and he walks out. So yeah. he doesn't quit. He doesn't turn right. on his brothers, but he's in the Jey Uso position after Royal Rumble of, yeah. I can't do it. You know what I mean? Yeah. You, I mean, that. that's that's a callback to that. That's, you know, all the things. It's a way to build tension. I don't know, though. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think... I think that I mean that, that would absolutely build tension between between the bloodline and between Roman and, and Solo. Yep. I think the thing that's going to be really interesting is seeing Paul Heyman on which side is he actually going to be on? Because it sure. seems I've been noticing this more and more that he favors more towards Solo right now than Roman. He does, and so well, I think right. that's going to play a big part. I could honestly see. Solo being the massive heel out of all of this, and we get a babyface Roman and babyface Usos. Obviously, we're already babyface Usos, but babyface Roman, maybe pre WrestleMania this year, post WrestleMania, or post WrestleMania, I think we're heading to a Roman Reigns face turn because of a brutal ending with Solo at some point. Yeah, I'm, I was thinking about the Roman face turn this week because clearly, like, it's going to come. Like, we have been talking for three years. Really, three years coming yeah. up in the end of August. We've been talking for three years about how, okay, when he finally turns, he's going to be the baby face that WWE has always wanted. Like, it's going to happen. But when is it going to happen? Like, I almost think that yeah. I almost think Roman needs to take a break and then come back as the baby face. I don't know what that looks like, though. I don't know if he drops the title before then. You know, I, I've. Long said that I think when he drops the title, he needs to go away for a bit yeah. as soon as he drops it. I just don't know what that looks like. You know what I mean? I don't know if that's a, a solo turn. He goes with his brothers, and then Solo's the one that takes the title. Or we've been clamoring for Jay. Obviously, Jay could be the one to take the title. I don't know, but it, it – as we continue to say, Andy, like the twists and turns of this story, <laughs> it's going to be incredible no matter which direction that we go. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, whatever whatever direction. And there's so many. That's the thing that's so interesting about this is there's so many ways we could go. It's still wide open. Because um, like we said, we could go the Jay 
route being Roman, we could go the solo route. There's even a route where Jimmy Uso could beat Roman Reigns for the title. Like there, there's a way for somebody in the bloodline to beat Roman for the title. There's also a way where the bloodline could end up all back together at some point. Like I, I think there could be. There's so many different options. I agree. Once Roman loses those titles, he needs to go away. Man, maybe for like six months, maybe even a year. Like yep, I think I him being gone for that long. And when he comes back, he needs to still be the same guy he is now. Yep. Like, that's the thing about guys like The Rock and Stone Cold and, you know, guys that you love. Even when they were bad guys, they were doing the stuff that you like that you loved. When they were good guys, though, they didn't turn into the smiley go lucky. No, they were, they were still yep. the killers and the cool guys and all this other stuff. I think Roman needs to keep that. Yep. But when he does come back and turns face, I there's no telling what could happen with him. I agree. I think a, a great face turn coming out of this could be like, you know how um, at, uh, I guess it was SmackDown last week? Yeah, maybe last week. Not this past Friday, Friday before that, where um, Jimmy was begging Roman to just, or Jay was begging Roman, hey, we can do this together, come home, blah, blah, whatever. And then he hugs Jimmy. Like, I think that is the scene we need for him turning face. Like, now we get this run of the Usos as babyfaces, whatever, and then the hug is genuine. It actually happens, and that could be how Roman turns babyface. I don't know. I thought of another SummerSlam match, though, while we're sitting here talking about this. You saying that Jimmy could take the title from Roman. Could we get a Roman versus Usos handicap match? No, but I could see a fatal four-way for the title. All for it. Well, see, that's the thing is I don't think the Jimmy and Jay aren't going to fight each other now. So I don't think you could put them in a situation where they technically are fighting right. each other. But I think you could they could justify it in being like we don't care which one of us takes down Roman, but somebody has to take down Roman. And I don't think it makes sense for Roman to put himself in a handicap match because if he wins, then he kind I don't he's not going to bury the Usos, but it's going to hurt it's not going to help the Usos. I agree, yeah. But if he loses, then I don't think it puts them in a great situation. Yeah. Doing it that way. I do think a fatal four way or a triple threat uh, with one of the Usos but I feel like if one of the Usos are involved, both have to be involved. Agreed. Yep. I agree with so that. So that's what I'm saying. The fatal four-way could be the best route to go. But even then, I don't think we – I could see the fatal four-way happen at WrestleMania this year. Mm-hmm. And we're a long way from WrestleMania. So, like, how yeah. are we getting there? Is Roman going away like we've been talking about? Blah, blah, whatever. Um, yeah. Interesting. All right, we'll have to see how the uh, next chapter of this unfolds. I'm pretty excited uh, to see what happens this week on SmackDown and then, of course, as we head to Money in the Bank next week, which we're going to be talking about previewing on the show, so don't miss next week's episode. Um, Speaking of next week ahead of Money in the Bank, Pretty Deadly is going to get their shot at the tag team titles against Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn. They won the gauntlet match this past Friday on SmackDown. Andy, I'm not surprised that they won. Clearly, it seems like this was the direction they were headed, uh, bringing in the new guys, kind of pushing them up, making them look good. What I am surprised about 
is how short of a time the Street Profits were in the match and how quickly they were eliminated. The first ones out, man, that was wild to me. Yeah, that was crazy. I think though they were. I think WWE was trying to do the expectation games because uh, the where's SmackDown? I think SmackDown's in. Is it in London? Yes, it's in London the day before Money in the Bank. So I think they were trying to play on the expectations of obviously the Braun Brutes are going to be the ones going for the tag titles in London, blah, 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 mm. whatever. So I think that was a great way to swerve. But I'm very, very happy that Pretty Deadly won. And the segment we got after when they yes, won with so Kevin sure. Owens and Sami Zayn. Listen, unhinged and like just mad all the time, Kevin Owens <laughs> is my favorite version of Kevin Owens so far. And it's it's just it's so much fun to see him. He's like a pit bull on a leash. Yep. And when Sammy let him off on on SmackDown, he was just as happy as he could be. And that's it's it's a lot of fun seeing those two right now. Dude, Sammy provoking him in that promo was just so good. He's like, Kevin, why are you not like why are you why are you not mad? Why are you not and screaming he, and yelling? He, he, he tries to stay calm and like can't do it for two <laughs> seconds. He starts talking to him and then just starts yelling. It's it's amazing. Another twist in this gauntlet match, and then again, we'll move on because we got to get to AEW here in a minute. Um, another twist in this gauntlet match that I'd never really, either I never paid attention, I don't think they've done it in a long time, if ever, having the teams at ringside throughout the gauntlet match and having them jump in, I really like that twist. That was kind of fun. Yeah, I like that too. And also like Michael Cole's commentary when Top Dollar got kicked in the face, as you already said. <laughs> yeah, that was so Funny. Flop dollar. <laughs> Listen, there's been a lot of speculation backstage about Top Dollar and his role. Yep. And uh, I can I can see <laughs> I can see that he's probably not liked a whole lot by what happens on TV and what Michael Cole says on commentary. <laughs> I don't know. It's pretty interesting though. Uh, it is very interesting. It right, makes me want to see Top Dollar versus Michael Cole. I don't need to see Michael Cole ever in a wrestling match again. Uh, Doing the I, don't, I don't care. <laughs> I don't care who it's against. Um, no, because I'm still salty that that's the only WrestleMania match Jerry Lawler ever had, and he lost. So <laughs> it's against Michael Cole, he lost. Yeah, so let, let's not even go there. I love Michael Cole as a commentator. Do not get anywhere near the wrestling ring again. Um, no. One thing we sort of glossed over last week, and I think it's because neither of us are big fans, but I feel like we got to swing the train back around to talk about it. Charlotte Flair returned to SmackDown last week and is immediately oh, yeah. getting a title shot against Asuka next week on SmackDown. Now, Andy and I talk ad nauseum about how Charlotte Flair only fights for titles and she immediately gets title shots and yada, yada, yada. Not what we're here to talk about. But what we are here to talk about is it seems like in her promo when she returned last week, she was trying to still lean towards the babyface side of things like she did with Rhea Ripley. And she stepped in front of Bianca Belair in line to get a title shot, who is also a babyface. Not a great babyface move like do you get that sense of weird booking at all i think we could be heading in cody and AEW territory where charlotte is a good guy but 
But because he's because she's a good guy, she does these things that annoys people. So she's actually going to be a bad guy by being a good guy. Does that make does, yes. does that make sense? When yep. Mm-hmm. So I, I think we could be heading that way. Um, yeah, I didn't expect her to show up, um, but it doesn't shock me that she showed up, and it doesn't shock me that she gets this opportunity. Also, won't shock me when she wins it Friday night. Just going to put that out there right now. Mm. Um, I'm I'm not going to be happy if she wins it, but I'm not going to be shocked when she does win it. Um, but I just, I, it's hard to care about Charlotte right now. It's very, it's very hard to care about her. Agreed. Uh, especially when, especially when like the last time we saw her, like we mentioned, she lost to Rhea Ripley and then she shows up and wants to challenge Oscar for the title and she gets the title shot. It's like, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. I don't care if yeah. you made the line. I don't care if you're a 14 time champion, 15 because you're not. They're not counting NXT. Whatever. Um, 14 time champion. We know you're gonna break your dad's record. Blah blah blah. Whatever. And we know also know you're doing movies or whatever you're doing. Like, let's not just come in fight for titles and leave. Like, let's do something else. We talk about that with Brock Lesnar all the time. And guess what? We're getting so many good things out of Brock Lesnar when he's not fighting for a title. It's not yeah. that big of a deal. Yeah, I I mean it's like Becky right now. Becky's not fighting for a title and she's not she doesn't feel any less important. Right. So like I think that's the thing that with Charlotte is some of the stuff she's tried to do outside of the title picture doesn't work because she has always had a title and was always in the title picture. And if she's outside the title picture, it doesn't feel relevant. Right. And I feel like that's, they have built that aura around her to where now, anytime she is involved, she has to be right in the title picture, right in the middle. And, uh, it's, it's just, it's not working for her. Now there is no denying that she is one of the best, if not the best in ring women's wrestlers of all time. Mm -hmm. There's also no denying that she might be one of the best, if not the best women's heels. Uh, hills of all time. Um, that's why I don't think this thing is working at all. She just needs to go out and turn full fledged, full fledged heel, and stay that way, because that's what works best for her. Yep. The entire time. Yep. I totally agree. I mean, Ric Flair never did well as a babyface either. I mean, people mm-hmm. re- respected him because he was Ric Flair, and like later in his career, he was a fine babyface. But that was like the last year of his career. Yeah. Other than that, he had to be a heel. It don't. It made sense. He was the dirtiest. You can't be the dirtiest player in the game and be a babyface. It just doesn't make any sense. Well, Eddie Guerrero. Well, yeah, but he openly admitted that he lied, cheat, and steal. And it was funny. <laughs> Flair didn't. The way, he, the way he did. Flair just tried to, yeah, he called himself the dirtiest player in the game, but he was never open about it. Anyway, all right. Monday Night Raw, a couple of quick things. Tommaso Ciampa made his long-awaited return and with his old theme music. Glad Thank to see you. Tommaso Ciampa back. Yeah, it's good to see Tommaso Ciampa back. Um, where was Johnny? I think he may still be nursing an injury. I'm not a hundred percent sure though. I know they could they I, could have done something backstage with him, but I'm fairly yeah. certain he may still be nursing an injury. See, I think he was there though. He was there. If you go back and look at his like tweets and everything, that that was my thing. Is if you're in Cleveland and you know Champ is going to be there, why not have Johnny's music hit? Have him come out and introduce Champa. 
Mm, yeah. Or like have him bring out Champa. Like I, that was my thing is, and I think he, and I'm reading into this. This is not, there's no report or anything. This is just me reading into things. Cause I like reading into things and causing drama. But, uh, <laughs> I, I think he wasn't happy about it, not being on the show at all. I'm sure. Because if you go back and look at his like tweets, there were a lot of them where he liked them. It was like Bobby after WrestleMania 39 mm-hmm. of where was Bobby and where was, where was Johnny? That was the one thing that was very, very disappointing about this Raw was no Johnny. Um, but it's very good to see Champa back. And I think hopefully when we get that reunion between those two, then we're finally going to get the Johnny and the Champa we've been looking for on the main roster. Yep. I completely agree. I think they're trying to wait for that right moment, and maybe they're waiting until Johnny's ready to wrestle, not necessarily just show up, um, because I did right. see a report somewhere that's like, we're heading to Johnny and Champa versus KO and Sammy. Like, don't, yeah. like, in the near future. So maybe they're waiting for Johnny to be able to get physical to have that reunion, um, a la Shawn Michaels and Triple H. 2006 when they reunited um i don't know for sure but again i'm like you i'm just kind of reading in a little bit we'll see though i obviously am very disappointed that we didn't get johnny on the show especially with it being in cleveland um but gotta trust triple h's judgment and wait for the right time i guess i guess it's judgment with johnny hasn't been so good so far Well, hopefully with Champa, it will uh, it will improve. Speaking of hometown guys in Cleveland, Logan Paul showed up, and guess what? He's in the Money in the Bank match. Go figure. Yeah, I'm. I mean, I'm fine with it. I think it's a good spot for him, but it makes the qualifying matches useless. It does. He <laughs> can just show up and say he's in it. Yep. Um, but he was not the uh, the star of the segment by a long shot because boy, when LA Knight's music hit, the place about blew up. Yep. It was. He was all. He was completely over. Uh, his prime joke was funny. Him saying that Logan Paul makes videos for fourteen year old girls was hilarious. Uh, and yeah, I, I'm excited for this Money in the Bank match. This is the first one in a while where we have no, honestly, no established wrestlers, like no right. established superstars, no previous this winners. Means, this is going to build no previous yeah, champions. No, no, yeah, no previous winners or world champions. Yep. Uh, this is going to be an exciting one, I think. Okay. Um, I think that there are two or three options that you could go with. I think one's more obvious than the others, but. Man, I'm excited for this one. I'm about to send us down a rabbit hole. I know we don't have time for it, but you have literally teed it up, and I have to do it. AEW fans, we're getting to your show in just a minute, I promise. Who wins this match? Who wins Money in the Bank? I know we're predicting it next week. We're previewing it next week, but who wins Money in the Bank? Honestly, and I'm not just saying this because I'm a big mark, it has to be LA Knight. Like I think I think LA Knight is the one guy who he's got the momentum. There's no denying he has the momentum. He's got the total package and he can talk, he can wrestle, and he's he's got the look. I think it has to be LA Knight. And if it's not LA Knight, then I honestly think it's a toss up between Damian Priest and Shinsuke. That those two are the ones that could win it. LA not or not LA night. Logan Paul. If Logan Paul wins it, it's an Austin Theory 2.0. And I don't think Triple H wants to do that back to back years. I think Logan Paul does win money in the bank. 
And I think Logan Paul cashes in on Seth Rollins and wins the world heavyweight title at Money in the Bank. Because we've talked about it before, man. Logan Paul sporting around that WWE championship. Like, he ain't taking it from Roman anytime soon. So, no. So, you do the Seth Rollins thing. And I think we can head towards get ready. Rumors are floating around online, and I'm buying into it. Logan Paul versus Bad Bunny for the world title at SummerSlam. And then you really make a joke of the world heavyweight. Yes, you do. Yes, you do. (laughs) That is correct. I'm not saying I like it. I'm just saying it makes sense. It doesn't make sense (laughs) at all. I mean, it. it, I from a business aspect, it somewhat makes sense. From a marketing aspect, it makes a lot of sense. Yep. But from a wrestling wrestling sense, it makes zero sense. Agreed. I do agree with that. Uh, That's why I think. Triple H is not going to let that happen. Even if Vince tries to push it, I still don't think Triple H will let that happen because that world title has to have a lot of integrity to make it even feel somewhat special. Mm -hmm. And Seth is doing that. But if you put it on someone like Logan Paul, it throws a complete, it's, it's a David Arquette moment again. It's not a little, as bad. Yeah, I was going to say, it's, it's a little, it's a step up for Marquette because Logan Paul can actually wrestle. Um, and it would be like, it would be like David Arquette winning that title and then going out and facing, uh, Lawrence Taylor for it. Interesting. Well, yeah, but Logan Paul has way more of a, of a worldly social media influence than David Arquette ever thought about it. I think. Yeah. Um, but that's not even the rabbit hole that I was about to send us down. The rabbit um, hole that I'm about to send us down is... I don't think L.A. Knight should win Money in the Bank. And the reason I don't think he should win it is because he doesn't need it. He is over like Rover, and if he if he doesn't win Money in the Bank, not going to hurt his momentum one bit. People are just going to get even more mad and even more behind him and push him even further than if he had the briefcase. I don't think he needs it. See, I I get what you're saying and I see where you're coming from. But if you look at someone like Dolph Ziggler and uh-huh. what that money in the bank briefcase did for him. Yep. I mean, it's one of the best cashins of all time, Dolph sure. Ziggler cashing in on Del Rio. The crowd pop, everything. Sure. If LA Knight already has that momentum and he's carrying on the briefcase, one, the promos he's gonna cut with that briefcase are just gonna be sure amazing but then to the moment he cashes in he's an already solidified star more so than he is now but and i think i think that's the thing that that he needs and he needs to be someone who's a, a viable champion but and no offense to ricochet who i love ricochet yeah, is not that right um santos escobar is not that Shinsuke is if he's built the right way. Damian Priest is if he's built the right way. But the way LA Knight's going right now, the momentum and everything, I just, I think it, I think he is the only one that it could absolutely, it'd be like strapping the rocket to him and just letting him go. Like, I think that would be what it would be for him. Two points to that. One, we, I mean, this is obvious booking right here. It's like, basically, it's LA Knight or bust is the way a lot of fans yeah. are looking at it, which 
makes a whole lot of sense. But when we look back at recent history, a la WrestleMania 39, when we thought it was obvious, it wasn't. So that's well, it was. They just missed it. <laughs> yet to be determined. <laughs> What I'm saying is don't be surprised if they go a different direction just because it's not what people think that they're going to do. And then point number two, you brought up the fact of LA Knight cashing in, being a made man, you know, strapping a rocket, blah, blah, blah. Is he really going to cash in on Seth Rollins, who we all love as well? So when he does... What does that do to Rollins? Do you put Rollins in that position? Do you put arguably your most popular wrestler in that position? I think you're putting your two most popular wrestlers in the ring together. Feuding over your world title makes that title feel bigger. But they're not feuding. But they're not feuding though because LA Knight's just cashing in and he's winning the belt. Yeah, but Seth is going to go back out after it. I mean, it, it, it's not like LA Knight's going to win and then Seth's like, oh, lost the title, never going back after it again. Let's go over here and do that. I think, I think what it does is if LA Knight's the one that cashes in on Seth Rollins, one, you're not going to have the Brock Lesnar backlash or the Austin Theory backlash that you would have had when he cashed in. Right. But you would have the crowd going absolutely insane for LA Knight to cash in, just even if it's... Listen, you know how big of a mark I am for Seth Rollins. Seth Rollins is my favorite wrestler in the world right now. He has been my favorite for a long time. If LA Knight cashes in on Seth Rollins, I'm just going to be through... I'm just, Cameron Grimes is not even going to be able to touch the moon. I'm going to be through <laughs> it so hard. And so because of that, I think it's not a bad idea to have LA Knight cash in on Seth because I don't think it does any damage to Seth. I disagree respectfully because I see where you're coming from. And I think that Seth obviously will chase LA Knight for the title. Seth may be a better chaser than a champion. That's a debate for another time. But we've seen this situation before with Seth and he dropped the title to the most popular wrestler on the roster in The Fiend while Seth was a babyface. And it completely, and I'm not, I, I know the booking was, was bad in the Hell in a Cell match, but I, that's not, that's not the end all be all of that story. You and I have, I think we discussed it either last week or the week before. They shouldn't have even been in that feud to begin with. What I'm saying right. is I think LA Knight and Seth Rollins is the exact same thing. I don't think we need to touch that feud at all because somebody's getting hurt. You have this organic energy of both guys. I just think somebody's getting hurt if you go that route. Now, that's not to say that LA Knight can't win the briefcase, hold on to it until like September or October, then cash in on whoever has beaten Rollins by then. Okay, I'm fine with that. I just don't think LA Knight and Seth Rollins is a good idea. Going back to your Fiend thing, though, the thing that didn't work with the Fiend and Seth was the Fiend character. Like, the Fiend character made that very, very difficult. And it made that very, very hard to do anything with. Plus, during that time, Seth Rollins did not help himself on Twitter by being the most popular guy. 
Well, that's a good point. Too. That all of that all of that was happening during that time. So I think people were done with Seth by that point good because point. of the fiend, because of the Brock Lesnar, because of some of the, the uh, Baron Corbin and Lacey Evans fiasco that was his world title reign for a while. I think people were done with him before that match. Whereas here, we saw that he we saw him lose the Cody Rhodes three times. We saw him lose the edge three times. Mm-hmm. We saw him lose to uh, Matt Riddle uh, twice. Did he lose the Riddle twice? Uh, once. No, Seth he... beat him at Clash, and Riddle they beat him in Extreme at Rules. Slam. Riddle beat him at Extreme Rules, and that was it. And that was it. But but what I'm saying is, all three of those, Seth was a heel. In all three of those. But he was over. Sure, he was over, but technically he was still the heel. Right, but I think he's still the same character that he is now that he was then. Yeah. Um, so I just, I don't think, it, I don't think it would harm Seth as bad as, as The Fiend did. Because The Fiend did a lot of damage. Not Bray Wyatt's fault, not even Seth Rollins. Well, sort of Seth Rollins' fault because of him on Twitter, but... It was the booking decision behind all of that. I think with LA Knight, it's a completely different scenario because the LA Knight character is such a adaptable character to any situation that it would make it work. Because here's the thing, LA Knight, LA Knight's still a heel. Technically, yes. Yes. But so he he's the, a heel and go and do it. And he's the same kind of tweener guy, though, as Seth Rollins is and he just organic organically morphed into a baby face i see your point yeah. i do i would be excited to see the feud i just it 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 scares me what it would do to one or the other so i just i i get my thought is i would just avoid it altogether and just don't even try it um i'm fine with la Knight winning the briefcase i don't think he needs it but if he wins it great Fantastic. That's awesome. It's like John Cena winning Money in the Bank briefcase. He didn't need it, but John Cena won it. He shouldn't have won it. Well, again, I know, but that's that's an argument for another time. Exactly. LA Knight doesn't need it, but if he wins it, okay, fine. That's great. I would just hold on to it, not cash in on Seth Rollins. That's just, that's my two cents. All right. 50 minutes into the show and we're just now getting to our forbidden door preview but before we do that if you're just now <laughs> tuning into us thank you for doing that this is the pipe bomb wrestling podcast the show that is for the fans by the fans i'm your phenomenal host mr podcasting chris belcher that is the young buck mr andy york we are here for you each and every friday if you're listening to this the day that it drops we drop this a day early so you're welcome um but Normally, we're here for you each and every Friday, wherever you find your podcast, Spotify, Apple, Google, all the things. Uh, so make sure you're subscribed there. Make sure you're subscribed on our YouTube channel as well. Just search Pie Bomb Wrestling Podcast. You'll see our logo with the title belt there. Like the video. We would appreciate it. If you're not subscribed to the channel, what the heck are you doing? Please do that. Support our friends over at WrestleBuddy and over at Sportswire Radio. And if that is not enough... If you want to see our, or if you want to hear our voices more than once a week, 
Go check out the PBWF, our fantasy booking show over on another feed, Pipe Bomb Wrestling Federation. Andy and I draft current day rosters, present our shows as we would book these guys. Andy, we're in season two, episode 10, just dropped on our way to our second pay-per-view of season two. But, Andy, I said season two. Yeah, that's right. Third. Sorry. Third, not second. Good call. Thank you for correcting me. So that means, number one, I said season two, there's a whole season one available in the archives for them to go check it out. And number two, that also means that the Lethal Lottery is on its way for month number three. No. Yes. Listen, listen, my pipe bomb, whenever we do our pipe bombs again, is going to be the Lethal Lottery. I can promise you that. (laughs) (laughs) oh that's amazing so go check out pbwf it's a lot of fun our buddy tyler peters moderates that for us uh we have a blast doing that show it is unlike this show in any way shape or form so go check it out It, it is a blast for sure all right andy let's get to while we're why we are here Thank you, AEW fans, for sticking around. AEW and New Japan present Forbidden Door. Before we get to the card, we got to talk about Collision on Saturday. Man, Kevin Kelly and Nigel McGinnis together uh, got some kinks they need to work out, but the combination of them, the set, the ring ropes, the look and the feel of the show, it, it totally felt different than Dynamite or Rampage. I immediately noticed that and was super impressed because, man, that was one of the things we worried about last week, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I, I think it. I think this was a great, great start to Collision. It felt very much like the early days of AEW. Like, right as soon as they started, the whole show felt like the early days, which, you know, I love the early – I love the start of AEW in the early days. I love what they're doing now as well. But the, the first, like, couple of months of Dynamite was just – it was a unique special thing. And I think collision could be that as well. Uh, Anytime I get to hear Nigel McGinnis on commentary, I'm, I'm all for it. And Kevin Kelly, I listen, he's a little annoying at times, but the dude knows his wrestling and it's a lot of fun to hear him talk about it. Unless he's messing up Andrade's name, which he did that. I was getting ready to say, dude Um, could not pronounce Andrade's (laughs) name for the life of him. It's like some, why did somebody not getting his ear and just say Andrade? Come on, man. Yeah. Like, every right. time. You got you, you to think for the – because I know the couple of the Kings, there was some a couple of times where it seemed like they didn't know when they were going on break or whatever. Mm, yep. I think it's just Kevin Kelly hasn't been on, on commentary on TV in a while. So it's going to take – it's going to take a few minutes to, to go in. Um, and not only know, that, not only that, man, to, uh, not only that, man, but I feel like that AEW commentary is much different yeah. than any other wrestling company. So he needs yeah. to adapt to that. I'm not saying he needs to be just like Excalibur, but he needs to adapt a little more to that style. Sorry to cut you off. No, I, I completely agree. Um, what I was going to say, though, is I, I, mean, I can't believe this. I'm giving sympathy cards, though, to, to JR because... He tried to go out there and he tried to, to do the commentary. You could just tell from his voice he's not feeling well. He wasn't. He was hurting. So get get better soon, Jr. Yep. Um, his commentary didn't take away though from the main event at all. No, you're right. Um, it didn't. And he 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 did a. Good, I'll say this. He did a good job of of laying out when he needed to 
and putting his input in when he needed to. And I think him and Kevin Kelly did a really good job bouncing back and forth off each other. I agree. Um, but it was just, I, I really, really, really dug this first episode. Yep, it was really good. I'm anxious to see what they come up with, with uh, this Saturday. Before we hit record, man, we are talking about how loaded this Saturday is. So it's going to be a fun show. Um, not something, again, that I'm going to tune in live every Saturday. Um, but still, like, I think it's good. It's going to be worth going back and watching at least for a little bit here. A um, couple of things that really stood out. Wardlow dropping the TNT title. Like, are you kidding me? Like, what are we doing with Wardlow at this point? <laughs> you know, like, it's it's a little yeah. ridiculous. It is, but watching Christian Cage celebrate with the TNT title like he just won, it that was, was really funny. a lot of fun. Yeah, it was really I, fun. I enjoyed that aspect of it a lot. Uh, I don't know. It's It's... Listen, they do this with their new show. Somebody drops a title. I mean, you go back to Rampage, and that's mm-hmm. where Kenny lost the Impact Championship. Yep. So I I, it's just it's one of the things they do, and you knew that MJF wasn't going to lose his title there. You knew the FCR wasn't going to lose their title there. If it was going to be somebody, it was going to be Wardlow. And uh, maybe this is to get him away from the TNT picture for a while and go after MJF or something yeah. uh, here in the near future. It may, it may be, we may be heading in that direction. I don't know, man. I just, I feel bad for word look like dude has so much potential has an incredible look. It's freaky athleticism. Like what are we doing here, man? Yeah. Um, buddy Matthews almost said Murphy because the announcer said Murphy, which was hilarious. <laughs> um, buddy Matthews and Andrade man stealing the show. What a match they had. It was so good. It was, it was, it was exactly what I wanted it to be. Uh, and I love the fact that Andrade was kind of like was the baby face in this yep. scenario when he came out there. The crowd were hyping him up, chanting "Welcome back." He was fired up. Yep. Um, he looked so people, big too. Oh my gosh, he, he looked so jacked. He looked, he looked. Yeah, he looked very jacked, but he was still moving as fast as he normally yes. does. And people, yes. I think people forget how good Buddy Matthews is in the ring. Like Buddy is, Buddy is extremely talented as well. Yep. Um, but I love the fact that. That Andrade won with the figure eight. I yes. love that he pulled that out. And I love Kevin Kelly's commentary during that of, well, I wonder where he learned that move from. He must have been paying attention at home. Like, that was just, it was such a subtle move, but it was great. It was so funny. And then Nigel was like, screw it. I'm just going to call it what it is. It's the figure eight, you know, uh-huh. whatever. And when the figure four is not enough, you got to do the figure, something like that. I don't remember exactly how he said it, but uh, no, that was really funny. All right. We've beat around the bush long enough. Let's talk about the elephant in the room. CM Punk makes his return to Collision, and he cut a promo. And I will say, I will say this: I'm a fan of CM Punk in the long tights. I like them much better than the short tights. Uh, I think he needs to stick with that long term. I thought it was weird at first, but now I'm I'm totally in favor of it. Uh, Punk did the ESPN interview last week, so let, let's sort of hit on the ESPN interview and the promo together. Man, honestly, for me, I'll be honest, and this is not me um, trying to dog CM Punk or the situation or anything. I know there's rumors floating around right now about how AEW is not in a good place or it's it's worse than it's ever been, according to Dave Meltzer. I, I don't know who's feeding him crap, but um, I don't think there was anything to this ESPN interview or the or, or the promo on Collision. Like there was to me, there's nothing there, absolutely nothing that would cause issues. 
Well, and I think the one line that people bring up, for, specifically from the promo, uh, the the counterfeit bucks line was approved to be said. Mm-hmm. So I think it's one of those of we're heading. I think we're heading to FTR or CMFTR versus the Elite, and they're trying to blur the lines yep. between reality and. Yep. Kayfabe. Because they're, so, they're wrestlers. They're old school guys. They're going to play into what everybody's talking about. They're going to try to make you believe. Yeah. And who is the absolute best centerpiece figure of somebody to blur the lines and make you not know what to believe? CM Punk. The, the pipe bomb. Exactly. Yep. So I, I, I think you're absolutely right. I don't think they're... I think they told them with the ESPN interview, go out there and say... Like, go out there and just be you. Like, just say, answer the questions, be you. And I, he didn't say anything like, he didn't call out Adam Page, uh, Hangman, like he did on the promo. Right. He didn't call him children. He didn't, like, he didn't do anything like that. And the one spot that was brought up in question of the chop to the face, like, there are accidents in wrestling. Yep. And I get that. And I, I, I understand that. And I'm not saying that this was on purpose. But if you look at the chop that was delivered, it's questionable. Like it's sure not. It it's not. It's not really cut and dry because it. Yep. He was angled up when he normally isn't, and there's just there's some questions that need to be answered at some point. But if we are heading to this massive six man tag, I'm all for blurring the lines, and I'm all for this. Yep. Feeding information falsely, letting Dave Meltzer be Dave Meltzer, yep. and get this as much attention and as much heat as possible. Yep. Before we get there, because it's going to sell itself. It's they're going to make if they if they actually go through with this and do this match, it's going to be ridiculous. Probably what they make off of it. Absolutely. Because it's it's the talking point of the wrestling world. People who don't watch AEW will tune in to see if CM Punk or if the elite shoot on somebody at yep. some point during this match. Absolutely. Man, like this promo stuff, like I've been thinking about it and I was texting with Jason before we went on the air and he brought up a good point. It's like, don't you think that in all this negotiation for Punk to come back, because listen, they're trying to sell as hard as they can on collision that he was only out because of tricep injury. He even said it like yeah. I was out with injury. That That's why I was gone. Yeah. They're trying their best to Which sell that. Is- Technically true, but technically not true. Exactly. At the same time. Exactly. But like the point I was going to make is Jason brought up. It's like, don't you think in the negotiations to come back at the end of the day, no matter if they have creative power or not, the Bucks and Kenny are still EVPs of the company. But like, yep. they're, that's still part. They are still part ownership of the company. Don't you think there was something agreed upon that like promos have to be approved and all this, that, and the other? You don't. Like, you don't think that actually happened? Like, at the end of the day, right. CM Punk started his promo saying, this is the professional wrestling business. And business yeah. does not just mean cash flow. And business does not just, you know, what have you. You got to come to an agreement and you got to make stuff work because at the end of the day, Punk's a talent, no matter if I think Tony Khan yeah. has the guts to do anything with him or not. And the elite are technically management. So... Something's yeah. got to be done, you know? They can't just Plus, uh, they can't pl- avoid it like they say they're avoiding it, you know? Right. Plus, like, 
you got to think all all four of these guys, really five if you throw in Hangman, right? They there is money to be made, and no matter how much you dislike a person, if there's this much money to be made off of this, they're going to make it work, right? Like, like I don't let's even... just let's, if if the if Saudi Arabia can get Shawn Michaels to come out of retirement because we talked about it earlier, so I'm going to bring it. But normally I wouldn't because Chris will throw something at me. But <laughs> we're not in the same room. It it's fine. <laughs> and you you brought it up first in this week, so I'm going to I'm going to use that as my opportunity. That's true. Um, but if if like the Saudi Arabia money can get Shawn Michaels out of retirement, there's no telling what we could see from this because it's it's going like I said, it's going to be a big money marquee match, but also. Specifically with Punk and specifically with Kenny Omega, they're old school kind of guys. Kenny's not really in wrestling, like in ring, but he he is an old school kind of guy. And they love to tell stories. And this story already tells itself. Yep. And I think that is an opportunity that neither individual want to miss. Yep. I, I can agree with that. For sure. I mean, the writing is on the wall. It, it needs to be done, and it, that's a way for Punk to really put to bed the one of the last like issues that he's had in wrestling and on his way out. Because mm-hmm. clearly, he's on his way out at this point. He's getting injured too much. He knows it. Everybody knows it. Let's let's do the business we need to do, and let's let's ride off into the sunset. Um, let's get yeah. the forbidden door, man. Uh, sorry we've been keeping you guys a, a long time here, but let's get the forbidden door. Let's talk about it. The IWGP United States Championship, Kenny Omega versus Will Ospreay. Probably going to main event the show if I was betting. Uh, you nope. think Brian and Okada? Excalibur said on commentary that the main event is Brian and Okada. Okay, okay, I missed that on commentary, so there we go. All right, yeah. so Omega he and Osprey. He kind of threw it in there in like a one-off really quick. I'm not, I don't think he was actually supposed to say it. I think he messed up and said it. But Gotcha. Omega <laughs> and Osprey for the U.S. title. Who wins this one, and what do you expect? Uh, I expect it to be one of the best, if not the best matches of the night. But also, I kind of expect Will Ospreay to win the title back. Uh, I think it was a great way at Wrestle Kingdom to get this back to Forbidden Door. Um, I think it's very interesting if Kenny wins because that means Kenny's going to go back to New Japan and yep. do some other things, which I'm, I think would be very, very interesting. And I've said it before, but I love Kenny Omega and AEW, but Kenny Omega in New Japan is just a completely different animal himself. Right. That is just it's he's on a different level. But I think Will Ospreay will get the win and win back that U.S. Championship. Um, but I just I expect this match to be as good, if not better, than their Wrestle Kingdom one. Yeah, I think it's going to be fantastic as well, and I'm with you. I'm picking Will Ospreay in this one. I think it, it's the best move for all parties for him to take that title back to Japan. But I'm like you, if if Kenny wins, that means we're getting more good things down the road in Japan and you know all that kind of stuff, so I'm with you there. The main event, like you uh so eloquently corrected me, which I appreciate because <laughs> most of the time when Excalibur is talking on commentary, listen, everybody, I can't catch everything that he says. So good point. I said this last <laughs> week. I'm going to stick by this. The ultimate indie fans dream match is coming true this Sunday night at Forbidden Door. Okada, Brian Danielson. If this isn't match of the year, 
they've done something horribly wrong. And I say that as a tried and true WWE shill. This has to be match of the year. I'm picking. Oh, I'm picking Brian in this one. Oh man! I, listen, I think it's a coin toss. Who wins? I, I, I see what don't know. Who I wins, see but what I, will, I, will I see what this. you did there with the oh god, uh, uh, the coin dropping. Yes, I got you. <laughs> I will say this: I agree, and I knew this match was going to feel really big and really special. But seeing Danielson and Okada face to face tonight, as of recording this, yes, it, it's like one of those where like you know something's happening, but until you see it. Then it like sets in like this is this is actually happening. This is going to be amazing. That I had that realization tonight. I honestly think Okada wins. I think Okada beats Danielson uh, in like a massive, massive way. I think they're going to kick out of each other's finishers multiple times. I, I'm expecting this to be a strong style, stiff New Japan match. Yep. That, like you said. It's got really high expectations. It's got impossible expectations. It does. Yep. But if two guys in the wrestling business can break impossible expectations, it's Brian Danielson and it's Kazuchika Okada. So yep. I I expect this thing to be absolutely amazing. Uh, a match that you said is probably one of the most underrated on the card and could really open some eyeballs. Um, Sonata versus Jungle Boy for the IWGP Heavyweight Championship. My only thought in this whole thing is I know nothing about Sonata. I'm just going to be honest. Know nothing. Uh, Jungle Boy has has yet to really impress me in the ring. I'm not saying he's not good. Obviously, that Fatal 4-Way at Double or Nothing was fantastic, but he's yet to really, really impress me in the ring. So my take on this whole thing is... Uh, obviously, who are you picking to win? What do you think? And is there a possibility that Hook turns on Jungle Boy in this whole situation? Uh, in the whole situation, I think there is a chance Hook turns. I don't think it happens at Forbidden Door, though. Okay. Um, I think it happens some at some point later on. I think Sonata wins. I, th- I think there's no question Sonata wins. However... Yep. Part of the reason why I think this is an underrated match, and it, I point back to Forbidden Door last year. I think if you go back and listen to our preview of Forbidden Door last year, we both kind of said somewhat of the same thing about Orange Cassidy. Yep. As he's good, but he hasn't had that like breakout wrestling moment yet. And then he wrestled Will Ospreay, and it was probably the second best match of the night yep. that we were going back and talking about. Um, and now, if you look at Orange Cassidy, he's had. Probably the best title reign of 2023 so far, I would say, as a as an in-ring wrestler would go. I think Orange Cassidy has one of the best, if not the best, in-ring title reigns this year. And uh, I think we could be looking at Jungle Boy the same way of, I'm not going to say he's as going to be as good or as eye-opening, but I think he's going to turn some heads. I think he's got a lot to prove. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think he has the opportunity to do that, especially against someone like Sonata, who can really give him a good showing as well. Yeah. But I think Sonata wins. Speaking of Orange Cassidy, his international championship is on the line against Zack Sabre Jr., Daniel Garcia, and Shibata. Zack Sabre Jr. has more than one championship, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, so maybe we add the international championship to that. I'm going to pick Zack Sabre Jr. in this one. Uh, what, what are your thoughts? My 
my gut says that Orange Cassidy might retain. Okay. Because, like I said, he's had a fantastic title reign this year. But I'm going to go with my heart. And my heart says that Shibata is going to win the international championship. Okay. Defend it in New Japan. Defend it uh, AEW. I, I am going with Shibata to win. Okay, that's that's a that's a fun pick. Again, a guy I know nothing about, so it'll be interesting for me to check this out. Um, we mentioned CM Punk earlier. The Owen Hart Cup is going to kick off at Forbidden Door. Punk is going to take on Kojima. Uh, which I was just scrolling through social media real quick before we started. A lot of people not happy that he's facing Kojima. I know there were some issues with Kenta or what have you, um, but but it's an interesting pick, I think. I, again, a guy I know nothing about. <laughs> yeah, I think the obvious choice would have been Kenta because sure. of the history between the two of them. Um, and as reports and stuff were going, Punk was all on board for it. It was Kenta who was the one that backed out of it at the last minute. Um, I think this one's going to be just fine. I don't think it's going to be anything like crazy to, to write home about. Yep. But I think it's it's going to be just fine. Kojima is a really good in-ring guy as well. And uh, I think we're at with Punk, not necessarily to the same level as with Jericho. But I think you need guys in there with Punk who can make him look good. Mm-hmm. Not saying that Punk's not good in the ring, so because Punk, I mean, he proved last year that his match with Paige, his match with a couple other guys, Darby Allen was really, really, really good, mm-hmm. and Punk looked good. But he need he having somebody in the ring to help him is is really, really important as well. And I think Kojima is that kind of guy. But there's no way, and I mean, this is my lock of the night. CM Punk is absolutely winning this. CM Punk's winning that whole dang tournament. Like, to me, there's no way he doesn't. Probably not. I think that's where we get Punk and uh, Joe in the final, semifinals. Yep. And then it'll be Punk and, I guess, Juice. And maybe the Powerhouse. Finals. Maybe Powerhouse. Or Ricky. Yeah. Could be Punk and Ricky. That could be You could do Powerhouse and Ricky in the semifinals. Yep. And Punk and Joe in the semifinals. And then have Punk versus one of the two. Right, right. Also, at Forbidden Door, Tony Storm is going to be the AEW Women's Championship on the line against the New Japan Strong Women's Champion, Willow Nightingale, which I'm telling you right now, man, I'm not saying that Willow Nightingale is going to beat Tony Storm for the title, but I'm predicting that Mercedes Monet makes her shows up to cost Willow Nightingale. I would say the same thing. I think Tony wins, and I, I think I think we do at least see an appearance from Mercedes. And what if what watch the entire place explodes? What if Mercedes shows up and she like not permanently, but gets added to the Outcast, and there's your blood and guts match. Well, what if Mercedes shows up and attacks Willow backstage? Willow's out, and then she takes her place, and we get Tony Storm versus Mercedes for the and AEW Mercedes Championship. Wins the AEW Women's oh. Championship. Whoa, you talk about a huge turn of events. Uh, I would be all for that. Wow, that would be insane. All right, two other big multi-man matches that we need to get to before we get out of here: Sting, Darby Allen, and a mystery partner. Against Chris Jericho, Sammy Guevara, and Suzuki. Uh, mystery partner, gut feeling, great Muda, maybe? Uh, I was thinking Nido. I think Tetsu Nido is going to be the 
because they said that Jericho's made some enemies in the past, and one of the first guys that he feuded with, Pat, uh, beyond Kenny and New Japan, was, was Tetsu Naito. So yep. I, plus, he wasn't at Forbidden last year, and just seeing him in the ring and seeing him and Sting and Jericho on and uh, Suzuki all in the ring together is just. <laughs> I you, I would be in heaven if we see all that. So I'm, I hope that's the direction they go in. Yeah, that would be a lot of fun. I think Naito is probably the right choice, but great mood, obviously, for obvious reasons. All right, the yeah. BCC, Wheeler Yuta, John Moxley, Claudio Casanoli, uh, Takeshita, and you, who's the last guy? Tell me. Shoda. Uh, okay. All right. You can just call him Shota. <laughs> okay, cool. See, again, I don't know these guys. Against the Elite, the Young Bucks, Hangman Page, Eddie Kingston, and Ishii, um, that will be a barn burner, obviously. <laughs> yeah, that's going to be that's gonna be an epic one. And uh, I love the promo that the Elite and Eddie Kingston cut together, yeah. the little video package, where... Uh, Eddie was like, listen, I don't like you or respect you either. You guys try to set me on fire. And Matt Jackson was like, eh, we did, but that was a year ago. We can move past it. And then we get the promo between Eddie and Moxley in the ring, which I I think like 90% of that might have been shoot. And those two dudes just talking crap to each other because they're they're friends and they can do that. Brought out Ishii. I I agree. I think this is going to be – AEW has a train wreck match on every single show. Here it is. This is it. <laughs> this is your train wreck match right here. You got it. You absolutely, you are right. All right. That is going to do it for this edition of the Pipe Bomb Wrestling Podcast. Thank you guys for hanging out with us. Um, I hope you enjoyed our Forbidden Door preview. We will all, obviously, we will review Forbidden Door next week. As we also talk about Money in the Bank coming up, uh, what a big weekend it's going to be. For all of your coverage of that, make sure that you are tuned in wherever you find your podcast, Spotify, Apple, Google, Spreaker, iHeart, all the places. That's where we're available. Also on our YouTube channel. Subscribe there. Like the video. We would appreciate it. Follow us on social media. All of our social media handles are down there at the bottom. And Andy... Don't forget Sportswire Radio. Don't forget WrestleBuddy. Great partners of ours. And don't forget the PBWF over on another feed. We would appreciate you subscribing over there and hanging out with us on Tuesdays. Andy, we covered a whole lot of stuff in about an hour and 20 minutes. Anything else we need to add before we sign off? No, man. Just looking forward to Forbidden Door and ready to have my mind blown by Okada and Danielson. So I'm just, I'm ready for it. Give it to me now. Oh my gosh. It's going to be insane. I might, I, Andy might not be with me next week. I might just be holding the pieces to his mind because they were blown <laughs> so far. Like they're going to be blown from his house to mine. I guarantee it. Yeah. Oh, I, absolutely. I, I can tell you this. I will be texting you all caps. Like, uh, the whole time. uh, like the Iron Sheik. I will be texting like the Iron Sheik the entire time, all caps, yelling and screaming just from please, the start just, to the finish. Just please leave out the F-bombs. All right, that's going to do it. Unless, unless it's Hogan, you got it. <laughs> Listen, if Hogan shows up at Forbidden Door, my mind is going to be blown. That's for dang sure. <laughs> hey, don't be shocked if Goldberg doesn't show up. That's a good point, too. That's a very good point. We didn't even touch that. All right. And I know that maybe all of your good things that you've experienced for Bendor, that'll just make it all terrible. 
um, if he shows up. That would ruin the show for me. That would ruin the entire, that would ruin Okada and no one, but it would be close. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Thanks for hanging out with us on this edition of the Bible Wrestling Podcast. For Mr. Andy York, my name is Chris Belcher. We appreciate it. Subscribe on your way out. If you're not already like that video, we would appreciate it. We will catch you guys down the road.